Where can you read it? I would know. Read the translation with feeling. Enthusiastically. When the eastern horizon became tinged with the redness that heralds the rising of the sun, the jewel among the Brahmanas, Lord Gorsuka, immediately awakened. Taking his devotees with him, he journeyed through the towns and villages of Nadia. The Madangas resounded, Tatai, Tatai, and the Jajas, large metal carpets and look like symbols, in that kirtan play the time. Lord Guranga's golden form slightly trembled in ecstatic love of Godhead, and his footbeds gave. More ceremonials chanted the names of Mukunda, Madhava, Yadava, and Hari, their mouths being filled with the vibrations. They would announce the still sleeping people. You spend your nights uselessly sleeping and your days decorating your bodies. You have achieved such a rare human body, but you do not care for this gift. You remain not serving the darling of the soda, and slowly fall through your last moments to death. With every rising and setting the sun, a day passes and is lost. Why then do you remain idle and not serve the Lord of the heart? This temporary life is full of various miseries. Take shelter of the holy name as your only business. <clears throat> We've got two translations here. Yeah. yeah. To penetrate the darkness of your ignorance and bless everyone's heart, the holy name has arisen like the shining sun. Drink the pure nectar of the holy name. There is nothing but the name to be had in the fourteen worlds. It has filled the soul of the tree, but given no dark Lord Goranga calls, wake up, sleeping souls, wake up, sleeping souls. You have slept so long in the lap of the witch Maya. He came into this world saying, oh my Lord, I will certainly worship you. But having forgotten this promise, you have remained in great ignorance. I have descended just to save you. Other than myself, who else is your friend? I have brought the medicine for destroying the illusion of Maya. Now pray for this Harinam Mahamutra and take it. Shilavati Thakur says, I fall at the Lord's feet, having taken this Mahamantra. Shilavati Thakur ki Joy! Hare Krishna Mahamantra ki Joy! Someone get the back
So it's nothing short of extraordinary how we're sitting here and reading Srimad Bhagavatam by Srila Prabhupada's mercy. Um, Srila Prabhupada, because we understand he's a very special soul, and uh, he was the one that fulfilled Lord Chaitanya's prediction for spreading this Christian consciousness movement all over the planet. And of course, sometimes we forget how special that is. If you look back at the uh, from the descent of the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and then him teaching his followers and then recording all that in their, in their writings setting the groundwork for everything to come later. So without all of that previous work Srila Prabhupada could have not, not, not have done his work. Um, and the example we give is like the man, ripened mango is handed down from a tree from one person to the other and presented in its perfect form. So by Srila Prabhupada's mercy an extraordinarily hard work uh, we were able to participate in this Krishna Cosmos movement and have the benefit of all these wonderful writings. So, as we've said, it's, it's nothing short of miraculous how this has all come about. Extraordinary how some of us who are getting a little older now in our devotional life are really appreciating now what a monumental task Srila Prabhupada undertook. Srimati Srimati Maharaj, she said to Prabhupada, Swamiji, what are you going to do? You're just going to die there. You know? You're just going to die there. And on the boat, he's on the boat, just getting there, he almost died. <laughs> and as we saw in those first couple of years, very challenging. And it's not like everything was laid out to Srila Prabhupada. No. He had to fight. He had to work so hard. Yeah. And we, we think of, we draw comparisons of, of, of um, Arjuna on the battlefield. He had to work so hard. It's not like Krishna just did it all. And Srila Prabhupada said uh, humorously, he didn't just tell Arjuna, don't worry, you just go and smoke ganja. I'll look after everything. Arjuna had to get out there and he had to fire the arrows. He had to do a lot of work. So just the same, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting relationship that Srila Prabhupada had with of course, ultimately, Prabhupada was very successful, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy. But that's the special relationship between Krishna and his pure devotion. And we look at all the struggles he had. Um, of course, Prabhupada never sort of sat back and was satisfied, oh, we've done enough. He was always pushing, pushing, do more, do more. Because Krishna is unlimited, and what Krishna can achieve is unlimited. So we don't want to put the brakes on that. We wanted to be successful, and ultimately, um, it's the Yuga Dharma that we're engaged in, and ultimately we'll be successful, and it's our opportunity to be part of that and assist as best we can. Um, 
purpose at, at hand. Um, one of the key points here, in the last sentence especially, or almost paragraph, a person who associates with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So we have so much opportunity to associate with the Personality of Godhead. It is mentioned that, Chir- um, that Krishna, Sri Krishna is incarnated in this age as his holy name. So he's not different from his holy name. And well, sometimes we're, we're a little bit, we're not mindful of how special these activities are. But when we're chanting Krishna's name, as Siddha Prabhupada said, you're touching Krishna with your tongue. In a class that Siddha Prabhupada gave on the seventh canto, ninth chapter, I think it's text, text number three, he said, um, just as Prahlad Maharaj got the benefit of touching the body of the Lord, when you're chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, you're also touching the Supreme Lord. You get the same benefit. So we have to think about these things very soberly. Every day when we sit and chant Hare Krishna, um, it's such a special activity. And uh, as we've said before, um, it's the uh, I brought my right glasses. It's the Yuga Dharma, and there's all potency invested in the journey of Hare Krishna. Um, because sometimes we see. We do tend to see things externally and not appreciate them for their very special nature. Um, so devotional service means very, means being very mindful of our activities and not forgetting the true nature of them. Um, of course, when we first come to devotional service, everything is very fresh and very nice, isn't it? If you all think back to the first time perhaps you came to the temple, I remember the first time walking in here and I thought, wow, this is just wonderful. It was like stepping into another world, and it is another world, of course. Um, I remember I came, actually, I, I just stumbled across it. I was thinking, I wonder where this Hare Krishna temple is, and I heard it was down near the beach. And so, somewhere or other, I just walked down this way. And I was walking on the street, and, and then I looked up and I saw the sign. I thought, oh, this is where it is. Okay, Hare Krishna. And then I walked to the gate, and we used to have the entrance on the side here. And I looked into the gate, and there was someone up at the end of the door calling to come in. Better <laughs> okay. And um, of course, the temple is very fresh and new those these, those days, but. It's very much the same as it is now. It's still very special. Like I say, sometimes we just get used to things and we forget how how privileged we are and how wonderful the facility is that we have. Um, so we shouldn't forget that. And um, of course, like we said, it's, it's by Michelle Papa's mercy that we've been so lucky to be where we are and have what we have. And as mentioned here in the book, the person who associates with the Supreme Person, Ali Ghali, already represented, becomes free 
from all material attachments and address the grade. Of course, it requires hard work. It's not all handy tools on the It requires hard work, uh, constant practice, and um, as mentioned by uh, Krishna Dita, uh, once you engage oneself in the practice of yoga, undeviating determination and faith, one should abandon all desires born of false ego and thus control all the senses on all sides by the mind. So we have this thing that we have to deal with constantly in the personal service called the mind. And how we engage that mind and control that mind will determine how successful we are. We have many wonderful examples in our society today so we have become very expert at control of the mind. Uh, for those of who, who don't put in the hard work to control the mind, then life becomes a little tough. It's like trying to run through water. You ever tried to run through water? In a swimming pool, you tried to run through water. It's hard. Um, so Krishna confirms that um, the mind is the friend of the Christian soul and his enemy as well. Um, for one who has controlled the mind, the mind becomes the best of friends. But for one who has failed to do so, the mind becomes the greatest enemy. So you find that most of your preaching in, as a devotee will be to your own mind. And it starts from the moment you wake up in the morning, isn't it? For one whose mind maybe is not controlled, that battle starts from that moment. <laughs> of course, it's, it's amazing sometimes we look at how the mind become, the mind is a creature of habit. And we, we forget about that sometimes. We actually do things, after a while the mind just does things automatically. Isn't it? Sometimes you step back and look at the mind and how the mind is just... It's like you've programmed it to act in a certain way by creating or cultivating certain types of activities. Um, so in our practice, uh, Shilpapa has set up a program in the temple where it makes it very easy for us to cultivate good activities and and help us to control the mind and focus the mind. As Shilpapa says, the mind is, control of the mind is the central point of yoga practice. Um, those who have been very successful in yoga, they're great controllers of the mind. Uh, the way uh, Maya keeps us enchanted is through her canvassing to the mind come here, do that, do this, do that, taste this, see that. Um, and uh, she's always canvassing. Uh, she, her job here is to test us. Yeah. Only we've come to this world to be away from Krishna. And then the scripture comes along and encourages us to come back to Krishna. So it's my job all the time is to make a proposal. And uh, 
So we have to be vigilant and use our good intelligence to make right choices. Um, and that's a, a constant process. It's not like you can have a day off. But the nature of, of a real spiritual life is that one's mind is controlled at every moment. When you look at the example of the pure devotees of the Lord, they, can't, they couldn't imagine not thinking of Krishna. What would that be for them? That's, that's like death. Having a think of Krishna. So that's the focus of those who are completely Krishna conscious. At every moment they're thinking of Krishna. And we, we imagine that's some type of mental slavery. You can't think of anything else. But only in the spiritual realm, everything, at every waking moment, is connected with the Supreme Lord. Some or other, as Baba says, some or other, we've come to this trick world. So we've made the wrong choice. We've somehow become envious of the Supreme. And once you come to that position, there's no place for you in the spiritual world. You have to go to this other place. Now, it's not like God creates a second spiritual world. You can't have that. It's not a second spiritual world where we can all go and just be independent. So, He creates this material world where the living being can come and act out all his fantasies and take him body after body. All these different bodies that are available in the spiritual, sorry, in the material world, they all afford some type of sense gratification. Sometimes we look at these other bodies and we wonder what? Why would you desire that? And what pleasure does that body give you? We look at some of these bugs that we see sometimes and this soul has fallen from such an elevated state to such a, a petty state. It's extraordinary. So this human form of life is so special. It's so special. It's in this form of life where we can cultivate knowledge of who we are. And ultimately get out of this predicament that we're in. Um, and even actually, the humans on this planet, how many are actually interested in understanding the self? Not so many. Um, so it's a very special um, uh, position to be in the human form and have that capacity and ability to understand uh, who we are. Um, so everyone's, I think everyone else has that choice available to us to serve Krishna or not to serve. It's something we can exercise at every moment, like I mentioned before. So we've made that choice to be separate from Krishna. And um, the human form of life, I guess, is the highest manifestation of the capacity of the soul. Um, and it's, a, it's an extraordinary engineering feat 
this triple body, when you look at how it's constituted and how the soul is placed in that body and complete and feels completely natural in that body. Isn't it? And we identify so strongly with the body and uh, it's almost magical how that is going on. Um, when you look at the breath given to Lord Brahma for the, to create a body for the, for the spirit soul, it's quite amazing how this body is constructed. And um, if we analyse it very carefully, it's amazing how the soul can actually exist within such a machine. Um. And these things need to be thought about very soberly. Um, Because the body ultimately is an illusion. It, it comes into being and one day it will destruct. And where does that lead to? It leads either to another body or it leads to liberation. Um, and that's the opportunity for all of us to choose the path of liberation. Um, Just getting back to the report here. Um, in that same last paragraph, Shiva Prabhupada says, Too much attachment for women become so one becomes a woman in the next life. So I was speaking from a male's point of view. change your nature. Um, because the men, men or women were always seeking that perfect partner in this true world. Um, I remember in primary school the girls used to tease us, they used to say, girls are made for sugar and spice and all things nice. And the boys are made from slugs and snails and fluffy dogs' tails. <laughs> so the tendency for the man is, we think, the female is so nice, she's made of sugar and spice, all things nice. But the, the lady's going to test to the fact that that's not actually true. <laughs> By experience. And there are many tribulations of having a female body. It's difficult. Um, of course, everybody, everybody that exists, everybody is um, every material body is uh, constituted in such a way that there will be so many uncomfortable situations. Uh, most of us cannot remember our birth. But anyone who's ever witnessed a birth can understand that this is not a painless experience. I remember when I, I saw my wife give birth the first time. I was shocked. 
I wasn't really ready for it. <laughs> I didn't have any sort of preamble of, you know, what that actually means or anything. There was no class or instruction. We sort of had the hospital and we were in there, and I was in the birthing room. And uh, I was all happy for a little while. And, um, and then I saw my wife in extreme pain. And I was shocked by that. Um, that, that. That sort of suffering that she was undergoing. Anyway, for a man, it's not, it's not a pleasant experience to watch all that going on. And the woman's, the woman's in extreme pain. And, um, and then seeing how it all goes on, I don't know if the ladies have seen it, but <laughs> it's an extraordinary experience to watch. And uh, you can see it's obviously great pain for the child, and obviously for the mother, it's great pain. And of course, it does happen that ladies die in childbirth. It's such a... I mean, it should be a time of great joy, isn't it? But that's the nature of this material world. It's not set up for happiness. We're all seeking that from everything we do. But ultimately everything is meant to prick us. And ultimately help us come to the realisation that this world is not what it's cracked up to be. And this is not the place to be. Um, because like I said before, one has to think about these things soberly and not become captivated by all the trappings of this material world. Because we all want a peaceful and happy life. But we have to think about this carefully and understanding that one day we have to leave. No matter what um, situation is, everyone wants a nice situation. But what's the point of the nice situation if you can't stay there? And as Sheila Prabhupada said, death is very painful. He doesn't say very painful, he says very, very painful. (laughs) We're very happy to stay here despite how uncomfortable it is. But the idea of stepping out of this body is not it's not pleasant to think about. We're very attached. This is our this is our we're saying our reference point. And we don't want to be pushed out of this body. We become very attached to it. And uh, yeah, no one likes to leave a comfortable situation, is it? It's like if you think of your own life, any time you've had a comfortable situation, you've got a nice place to live, you've got something nice to eat, you've got a lot of facility, and you want it to be stable. But ultimately, and especially as we're seeing at the moment, the very precarious condition on the planet with this current disease that's spreading. <clears throat> and ultimately, disease means suffering, pain, discomfort, and perhaps even death. Um, so we have to be mindful that um, this material world is not what it's cracked up to be. Um, 
for how to desire correctly. That's uh, the challenge for everybody. Um, and there's so much information in scripture available to us to teach us how to desire correctly. Of course, you think we would just hear it once. No? Then act on it. But we have to hear it daily. It's like trying to getting this knowledge in and acting on this knowledge. It's like trying to put nails into hard wood. Uh, maybe the men, maybe some of the women experience it. If you've got hard wood, it's very hard. You try and bang the nails in. Sometimes they just bend or break. So um, this mind has got a lot of bad conditioning and we have to undo that conditioning. And um, so trying to get this knowledge in sometimes, like, as I say, like trying to bend those nails in the heart and we have to figure a way how to do that. Sometimes we drill, we drill a hole so we can actually get the nail in the hole and bend it in. So we have to somewhere or other work out a way to get this knowledge in. Of course, with yoga, and yoga it becomes down to constant practice. As Krishna says, we'll give a constant practice and detachment. Um, as Shiva Bhagavad says, it's a simple process that must be taken very seriously in order to be successful. Um, I was thinking a couple of things this morning. I've got some favourite sayings. Um, one of the famous sayings that I like is um, a winner never quits and a quitter never wins. So if we want to be successful in devotional service, we just have to keep on keeping on. Just do the needful day in, day out. Um, As soon as we get lazy in spiritual life, as I said before, it becomes hard, like trying to run through water. Um, We just have to keep at it. say um, the family that plays together stays together and the religionists they say the family that prays together stays together so we are very lucky that we have the opportunity for both we can pray together and we can play together There's no 
there's nothing, uh, it's very self-evident, the importance of Namakirtan and hearing Shema Bhagavatam, uh, presiding in a holy place and doing some service for Krishna. And uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu confirms um, Sakala Sana Shrestha E Pancha Anga Krishna Prima Jamaya E Pancha Rahapa Sangha. These five things of devotional service are the best of all. And even a slight performance of one of these can awaken our dawn of love for Krishna. So often we, um, as, as also mentioned, we tend to Mahaprabhu, the first thing I've got now. Krishna Prima, Sadhya Kapuroi, Samanagi, Sudhijiti, Kari Udai. His eternal love for Krishna is established in the hearts of all living entities. It's not something to be gained from another source. So ultimately, we're all, as Srila Prabhupada confirmed, we're all ultimately. Conscious living entities. And somehow other we've made the choice or fallen into this material world. But the process of devotional service is meant to revive our dormant nature. Um, there's another verse in Bhagavatama. Edavan Devalokeshin Punksantama Prajnita. Bhakti Yogo Bhagavati Tandama Brahmanadi Bhir. Devotional service which begins with the chanting of the Holy Name. So our devotional service begins with the chanting of the Holy Name. So we can all uh, reflect on how we can do devotional service and what was the thing that really got it going. It was chanting the Holy Name, wasn't it? Of course, other things as well. Prashada, very important ingredient. Um, so, um, good. Devotional service begins with the chanting of the Holy Name, the ultimate religious principle for the living entity in human society. And so, I think Shampuro, Dhamma, Vito, Bhakti, Roksite, I took the Abhidhita, Yahayatma, Sarasiddhati. The supreme occupation for humanity. Who knows that translation? Is that by which men can attain to loving service to transcend the world? Such devotional service must be unmotivated and uninterrupted to completely satisfy the self. So, it's a very wonderful verses. It's that, that's a self-evident statement. We're, we're looking for satisfaction, all of us. And Srila Prabhupada has kindly showed us the way to get that satisfaction by being uh, properly situated in our original constitutional position. So, um,
Any comments? Up a little bit, okay. So, you know how you said it should be like the shloka says it should be uninterrupted? Yeah. But that's the human body has needs like after the Bhagavatam class, even during the Bhagavatam class, you're already starting to feel hungry and then there's interruption. Hmm. So, then it's not possible to make it, it's not possible to make it uninterrupted. So, how would you make it uninterrupted as long as we're in a human form? The body has needs, and then we need to take a break to fulfill those needs. And um, it's not actually interruption. If everything you're doing is focused on pleasing the Supreme Lord, everything you, that you have to do as far as looking after the body supports that. It's a question of where the mind is all the time. So the mind can be completely focused and always connect to all of our activities somewhere other to Krishna. That's the nature of real spiritual life. That's why the devotee, sorry, the gopis, Sri Prabhupada's as the supreme example of devotional service. It's not like when they're doing all their household chores or whatever they're doing anything else, their mind's gone off somewhere else. The nature of the spiritual war is the Krishna is mindful of all the living entities at every moment, and the living entities are mindful of Krishna at every moment. That's their natural position. And uh, as I explained before, they couldn't imagine a situation where you're not thinking of Krishna. But we imagine, well, oh, that's some sort of slavery. Don't you have any freedom? You're just all the time thinking about God. supports that 
and being mindful. I was thinking of this morning of Shiva Prabhupada, I remember giving a talk once and he was saying that everything should be first class. The deity worship should be first class, the temple cleanliness should be first class. Of course, the challenge for us is to become first class in ourselves, and then everything else will manifest as first class. And we saw in Shilapapa's example how everything he does was so mindful, not the highest quality. Um, so we can always look to Shilapapa for inspiration and see how he connected everything with Krishna. Even though it appears like it's a bubbly activity or whatever, but if it's supporting your devotional service, um, then it's fine. It's not like it. you're, in, you're in a body and it takes a lot of maintenance. <laughs> We've been reading about the allegory of the city of night gates. So, just looking at this city we're living in at the moment, Melbourne. There's so much infrastructure to make this place work. How many miles of sewerage pops are there in Melbourne? We're just going about our business every day. We forget about this, but there's a huge arrangement to manage all that. And this body is also a very complex arrangement, isn't it? It's things in, things out. And the body is extraordinary, actually. I don't know how you can come to the conclusion that the body is an accident. It's so complex. It's so complex. Just the reason I've been having trouble with the kidneys. I started reading about the kidneys and what the kidneys do. It's one part of the body that does so many functions. It's got millions of these little filters in it. Millions where the blood is filtered. The good stuff's checked and the bad stuff is separated. The bad stuff goes into the urine and the good stuff goes back into the blood. What, a, what an engineering marvel the kidney is. And the, the kidneys control all the chemicals in the body. You know, the things you need to, for the sustenance and maintenance. And they send it all off. And uh, the, you know, from the blood it goes into the cells. And um, extraordinary. We, we should become stunned. <laughs> Actually, should. If you analyze anything in this world, I remember what else Nancy Preacher is saying, if you analyze anything in this world, you should you come to the position where it's just it's inconceivable how it's going on. It's very complex. Um, <clears throat> as we were talking before about the body being a machine, it's a very wonderful um, machine. And uh, I think I think about this, you know, I don't know about you, what you think about them, but there's so many aspects to the material body, which is absolutely extraordinary. How, it, how, how we 
they think of the machine. But the machine itself is just a nice little Most of the time we're not aware of the heart beating and what is actually going on there. But that little machine in there is pumping this body, pumping the blood at every moment, isn't it? And uh, it's all circulating in the body and making all these other processes work. So, yeah, and all that sort of is going on automatically. So, uh, in our devotional life, um, it's a question of creating the right habits. And then we don't see things as um, separate from Krishna. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so ours is a preaching movement, and um, it's not meant to be, what do you say? to ourselves. It's meant to be shared with others. Shilpa Prabhupada said, it was my intention to start a revolution. And um, we can ask, what did he mean by that? Most revolutions that we have witnessed in this history of the world, they're based upon violence, subjugation, control, and exploitation. But um, the revolution of Krishna consciousness is meant to liberate everybody, lift everyone up, not push everybody down. So Shilpa said, oh, it was my intention to start a revolution. So that revolution has started. It's gained some momentum. I'm calling you off from what we hear, heard from Shilpa this momentum will increase into a golden age of Krishna consciousness to last for 10,000 years. So as we explained earlier in the class, um, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, he taught all of his followers the process of devotional service and asked them to write those books. And as we've discussed earlier, you know, these books are now available throughout the world. So it's based upon the mercy principle, giving out that mercy and spreading it all over the planet. I remember one devotee asking a question, children, but um, why did not Chaitanya Mahaprabhu not come out of parts of the world? And Prabhupada said, well, he answered that just coming to India is, is enough. And as we can see gradually it's been disseminated to other parts of the world. And uh, it's amazing where you find these books. And uh, it's based upon the mercy principle of giving it out, giving it out to others. I remember when I was a young man, uh, we went away on a surfing trip to this place called Bruni Island off the southeast coast of Tasmania. And um, we stayed, we stayed in this house. This was a, a derelict old house. Some people had put some mattresses in there on the floor. There was no light or anything, no facility. They had a fireplace and some mattresses. That was it. And I found a nectar of devotion in there. <laughs> okay. And my other small book, which I don't remember. But this is right off the beaten track. Was a disused sawmill. They had a house attached to it. And someone got that book. I don't know how it got down there and tested it. I guess that was around the time after the devotees had been there in 1973. Um, so the mercy principle is to somehow that, like you say. Um, how do you think to somehow to spread that? Plant the seeds, put it out there, and who knows when someone will come in contact with that and take advantage of that and begin their spiritual life. 
a lot of these books were distributing. Um, and yet sometimes we don't see an immediate result. But you don't know at what stage. It's like casting out and seeing who will take it. Um, some people will discard it. It's the extraordinary some of the stories we've heard about how people have come in contact with Shilpapa's teachings. Even people who found a book in the water or something. I've heard the story. <laughs> Someone saved a book from the water. So, it's a mercy principle of giving out the knowledge, but not just harboring it for ourselves. Anything else? Okay. I'll go to the ship. Right.